Welcome. Welcome to K-Drama School, folks. Wow. Goodness. I've been away from you all for too long. I'm so sorry. Well, am I? I guess I'm not that sorry. You know, I had to be away. I was away. I was home. I was in New York. It was a lot, and I'm still recovering from a cold. Oh, yeah, I got a cold, by the way. That's also the reason why I was not here last week. Well, I was here. I did, I did upload an episode, so I'm going to count it. But I wasn't able to talk about anything because I was sick out of my mind. You know what's funny is, like, I don't think I've been sick like full-blown cold with a virus. I don't think I've been sick like this in three years or something like that. I think the last time I got sick like this was in 2020 February. Um, Yeah, that was like the most sick I've been. I think I might have had COVID back in 2020 February, but I'm not sure because I never got tested. So I'll never know. To this day, I still think I had the flu, But I also know that I had a headache that I thought was going to break my skull open in half. And I know that that is a symptom of COVID. So there's no way to know. I don't know. Who fucking cares? But I got a cold virus after this trip in New York because it was literally the most emotionally draining experience of my life. Oh my gosh. I had to work things out with my mom. I had to work things out with a childhood best friend. It's, it was just a lot, okay? It was a lot. It took a lot out of me. I'm still processing stuff. And, you know, if I'm being really honest with you, like, I don't even want to be here right now. Yeah, that's how tired and exhausted and drained I am. It is taking every tiny bit of energy left inside of me to be doing this episode with you right now. That's not to say that I don't love you. It's not to say that I don't... I don't um, still think of this podcast platform as a precious space it is it's my own space and it is my playground still and of course I appreciate all of your listenership but man oh man did it take a lot for me to just roll off of my couch and put on this hat like the thought of putting on makeup was just like no it was just too devastating oh let me talk about this skirt behind me okay if you're watching this on youtube there's this really beautiful silk skirt right behind me i got this skirt at a boutique in koreatown so i got back a couple weeks ago and i went to this boutique in k-town uh right after i had lunch with my editor and um it th- there's this boutique inside the h mart building which is on sixth street in la and in the on the first floor, right where H Mart is, there's like a, a, a boutique run by an old lady. She's like maybe in her mid 60s, maybe 70s. She's like old as shit. And all of her customers are really, really old women. OK, and so they sell like granny stuff. But every once in a while, I'll see a pair of pants that I really love or I'll see a top that I really love. And I bought like a, like a vest from there. I bought anyway, I walk in and this owner, she just looks at me and she's just like, oh, my gosh. You know, I, I, I usually have a customer here every single day. Like I sell stuff without even trying. But today, for some reason, there wasn't a single customer and you're my first customer. And it was like 3 p.m. So I knew that like this meant a lot to her. And she kept saying, I feel like crying and you're like so beautiful. You're just walking in here. And oh, my gosh, like I want to give you stuff for free. I was like, no, no, don't give me anything for free. 
But I saw this skirt and I was like, oh, this is beautiful. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's like $159, but I'll give it to you for $50. I was like, great, I'll take it. What a deal. And then as she's packing me the skirt, she was like, I want to give you more free stuff. Do you want pajama pants? And she just like grabbed like, you know, like showed me these pajama pants. And there was one like with cats on it. So I'm wearing it. If you can see, it's got little cats on it. It's it's navy blue. She's like, yeah, why don't you take these? And then she was like, you know, behind the counter. She's like, I want to give you more free stuff. I was like, lady, like, relax. What's your problem? You know, it was very strange. Um, but it was like a good strange, you know, it was very flattering. I was cracking up the whole time. And yeah, this woman, she was just so nice and loving and generous. And I, I guess she just saw something in me that she just that was just gravitating towards her. She felt emotional for some reason. Yeah, I'll tell you, like taking care of big epic stuff back home will change your vibration. Yeah. So when I was back, like this lady, she was just it was just like she couldn't handle it. You know what I'm saying? But I, I did get sick. I caught a cold. Um you know, like in, in Korean, there's this word called mumsai. It's a disease that only Korean people know. Mumsai. And there's no way to explain it. There's no fucking English translation for it. There's no medical dictionary that's going to ever explain to you what mumsai is. All Koreans know what mumsai is. It's just you feel the aches and pains in your whole body. You feel exhausted. Some people get a fever. It's like flu-like symptoms, except you don't have the flu virus. And so that was settling in last Saturday. And I was dog sitting at the time too. And I was just like so tired. I was dying. I thought I was I was just like miserable. And this mumsai just kept me just kept me just stuck in 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 bed mode, you know, like just rest mode. I was just stuck in bed. And then a couple days later, just full blown cold. Yeah. Cold virus. So stuffy nose, headache, chest congestion, coughing, sneezing. And yeah, I'm still not fully recovered. I'm still sick. So watch out for the cold virus out there, people. It's a doozy. Uh, I did take the COVID uh, test and it's a negative. So there, there's that. But I also had like two shows this week. I had to drive all the way down to Long Beach and that that took a lot out of me. In any case, um, I'm not exactly firing on all cylinders at the moment. Okay. What's interesting is my therapist is also telling me that I should quit therapy. <laughs> Have you guys, has anybody ever heard of this from their psychologist? Has their shrink ever told them to quit? Because <laughs> that's what my therapist has been suggesting to me for the last few months. And we're finally at a point where it's like, okay, now we're down to one session a month. Yeah. It used to be every single week. We reduced it to once every two weeks. And now it's down to once a month. And I think by next year, I'm just not going to have therapy anymore. I mean, my therapist is basically, like, I mean, you're cured. Like there's nothing more that I can do for you. You know, you know what this reminds me of is like people who take psychedelics so much that the psychedelic medicine tells them, yeah, we have nothing more to teach you. So stop. Like that's what it's come to. Um, at a certain point, wellness hits a wall, you know, and you're just like, okay, now I got to just live my life. And that's what I'm coming to. Now it's a point where I'm just like, I got to live my life. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I did go to a, a Dharma talk. I went to a Sangha. A Sangha is like, like holding fellowship for Buddhists. So I went to my first Sangha and, um, it was at this, a Korean Buddhist center called the One Buddhist Center. It's over here in the valley. And when I went there at 10 a.m. on Saturday, I was the only person there. There was nobody else around. <laughs> yeah. So it was like me 
And then this uh, woman monk and then a male monk. And the male monk is the one that's like the head honcho. He's like the one that's, you know, running the show. And they started off with like a weird form of yoga. It was like Tai Chi mixed with Taekwondo mixed with yoga. So we did that for about 15 minutes. And then we meditated for 15 minutes, which was awesome. And then he gave a short Dharma talk and the Dharma talk was like only directed at me. So it was like my personal Dharma talk, which was kind of nice, you know, and he was just basically like, do you know what enlightenment is? And I was like, I don't know exactly what it is, but my definition of enlightenment is when the I disappears, when there's no such thing as I, that is when a person reaches enlightenment because they're like no longer an individual. They're no longer identified with anything. And he was like, okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And then he was like, do you know what, do you know what, um, do you know what truth is? And I was like, I think truth is relative. And then he was like, ah, okay. So in Buddhism, there are the four noble truths. And then he went into the four noble truths. And then he was like, um, do you know what the eightfold path is? I was like, I've heard of it. And he's like, okay, so this is the eightfold path. And he goes into the eightfold path. And it, it was just like a foundational crash course on Buddhism and what the foundations of Buddhism are. And so I was like, okay, that's, that's really lovely. And then he was like, oh, um, and that's it. That's the end of our service. I was like, okay, great. And it's that the whole thing was about an hour and a half. Um, they gave me buckwheat tea, which was very sweet. The inside of the temple was freezing, by the way. I don't know what it is about Korean temples, but they are freezing. Yeah. Outside, it was like 80 degrees. Inside, it was 50 degrees. Yeah, my feet and my hands were freezing the whole time. Um, but I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the monks presence very much. You know, there's something like really lovely about monks. They're so like friendly and they're smiling all the time. They got such a pure vibe and glow about them. So I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so it was great. Oh, I also had a show at Long Beach, like over at San Pedro. Do you guys know where San Pedro is? It's right by Long Beach. It's like it's like adjacent to Long Beach, but it's like a separate part. I think it's part of L.A. County, actually. And my oh my, San Pedro is so beautiful. I was like, this place is like paradise. It was gorgeous. I went to this park called the Korean Friendship Bell Park where there's an actual Korean bell there and it's got like the beautiful green and red like ornate Korean colors like the painted colors and there's there there's this gorgeous bell there and it's like on a cliff so when you look out you just see the ocean and you see the sky. It is so epically beautiful. So just hanging out there right before the show, that was really nice. It was really remarkable. If you have not been to San Pedro, I really, really recommend that you go there just to go visit this park and just take in some of this luxurious, gorgeous, epic view and go there during magic hour. I just happened to be there at magic hour right at sunset and I got to see the sunset. It was beautiful. So that was my week. And um, I think uh, I think my exhaustion right now is completely valid. It's completely valid. Oh, and like at another show in Long Beach, um, there was a mentally ill person who was heckling me the whole time. Like he was heckling me because I was a female comic. He was heckling me because um, Asian. He was, you know, he was being a dick and um, he got kicked out. And the bouncer was this white guy. And after the bouncer kicked him out, like, you know, it was just it was just awkward. It's as if somebody took a big shit in the room and I have to turn that ship around. I mean, it was a nightmare, you know. But I think I did fine. I, I'm pretty proud of the way I handled it. And what was really lovely is afterwards, like, 
you know, I talked to several comics and I talked to several audience members and they were all just like, you handle that really well. And, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you, but like, I really enjoyed your set. And I thought that was so sweet. I was like, thank you so much. You people are angels, you know? And so like, that's something I, I just learned, you know, it's like, I'm not only there to entertain, right? I'm not only there to like, uh, do my work but like the work of the audience is also valid it's also real like those interactions those connections they mean a lot to me all right so um thank you thank you to you people this week i'm going to talk about the show daily dose of sunshine which is a 2023 k drama this is based on a a webtoon that was on cacao talk and this is a, a webtoon that was made to be a web series um and uh, it is now on Netflix. Yeah, exclusively on Netflix for North North American territories. I assume North American territories. Uh, I also assume it's probably in other territories, but it's on Netflix. All right. So if you're in the United States, you can see it on Netflix. Park Bo Young is the lead actress on this show. And everybody knows Park Bo Young. She was in Strong Girl Pung Soon, which is a show I tried to watch like 12 times. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm never going to fucking watch that show. If I'm not going to watch that show, that means I'm not gonna watch the the fucking spinoff that they have on netflix currently um no way i i just can't do it it's not for me but i loved Park Bo Young and oh my ghostess you know she's like this petite tiny actress so small and she has this gorgeous like baby face about her right she looks like a little kid she looks like a little little doll on the screen and here she is playing a nurse not just any nurse but a psych nurse oh my gosh you know like I have a friend who's a psych nurse it takes a lot out of you being a psych nurse is like I mean you gotta be like really you gotta be a hard ass you know and so she's playing this this baby-faced uh, psych nurse. Park Bo Young is a really interesting actress because her career spans back to like 2005. I mean, she's been in show business for almost 20 years with that tiny baby face of hers. I think she was most renowned for uh, playing scan- uh, playing that um, teen pregnant teen mom in Scandal Makers with Cha Taehyun. So that that was sort of her big role. But Daily Dose of Sunshine, this has such an amazing cast. All right, first of all, you got Yi Jung Eun who plays the head nurse. All right, she does a phenomenal job playing this head nurse, who's also a caretaker to a younger sister who has schizophrenia. So we have that. And then there's Yi Sang Hee, another amazing actress. She plays the supervisor nurse who also is a mom and a housewife struggling with her work and home life balance so the lens really goes into a woman's life and all the diverse kinds of women's lives right you got the domestic issues you also have like love life issues you also have like issues with nurses like you know played by actress Yi Idam. she's one of the psych nurses who was raised by a narcissistic mother who also has a gambling problem okay and she's also in that film, Beast Clawing at Straws, which is like an okay movie. I mean, it's, you can see it on Amazon Prime, I think, but it's a very violent film. Um, Chun Do-yeon is in it. I mean, if you like Chun Do-yeon, so there's that. But I don't really remember anything about this actress from that film. In this show, though, Yi Idam really left an impression. I think she's a really remarkable actress because she's very reserved very quiet actress, but she has an intensity about her. And her storyline resonated with me a lot because towards the end of the series, she says like she became a nurse because it's a stable living. It's a stable job. And she needed a stable job in order to support her 
her mother. But now that she's gotten healthy distance from her mother, she wants to find a job that brings her joy, and she finds it by singing and dancing on a cruise. Yes, and she compromises her relationship in order to do the thing that she loves, and her her boyfriend is just as supportive in that thing. Yeah, I mean, I would not recommend anybody to ever have a, a a boyfriend who is also acting as their therapist. But like, you know, I mean, that's one thing. But like, just seeing the supportive ass boyfriend telling her things like, "You need to get distance from your mother. She's super toxic. You need to get distance from me so that you could go do this thing that you really love." Oh my god! Oh my god! What a boyfriend! What a good guy! You know? Oh, love that part of the narrative. So so good. The most powerful part of the storyline for me is when Nurse Taeun. When she, the 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 protagonist, she becomes diagnosed with depression after one of her psych patients commits suicide. Okay, so this impacts her deeply. She tries to ignore it, and then she starts losing her memory. She starts losing her mind. She starts attempting suicide. She can't remember it because she was dissociating the whole time, and then she's diagnosed with depression. I was like, she has more than depression. Okay, like if she was. If she was losing her shit out there, she was losing her mind, and she was like throwing herself out into traffic. That means she has more than just depression, okay? So like, let's not fucking play, all right? She has way more than just depression. So I thought it was just funny how they were just downplaying that. It was, it felt a little bit ridiculous to me. But the reason why I thought this narrative was important is because of the way that the patients, caretakers treat Nurse Taun when they find out that she has a history of mental illness, and they're like, "How could a woman who has a history of mental illness take care of our own?" And they all start flipping out, and it's like, "Why? Where is that flip out coming from?" And it comes from shame. Yeah, they're all ashamed of their own current baggage, which is their loved ones who have a severe mental illness, and they're just like, before anybody else starts pointing fingers at us, we're gonna point fingers at you, you, the woman who's helping us. Fuck you. Oh, you know, it just shows how quickly humanity can turn into ugliness just on a dime, on a dime. You know, like. When people are driven by fear and shame, we become monsters. All right, and、um, I was listening to a Dharma talk with Tara Brock today about anxiety. Anxiety dictates our heads. It does. I mean, it's the reason why we go and watch the news all the time. Is the reason why we're constantly bombarding ourselves with content all the time. It's because of anxiety, uncertainty of the future, uncertainty of what people are thinking of us, what they're saying about us. That kind of uncertainty drives us crazy. It makes us afraid. Not knowing makes us afraid. And so our only job really is to calm down that part of our heads. So my mantra lately has been this: like I am okay. I am safe in my uncertainty. I am safe in my state of ambiguity. I am okay in my state of helplessness. Oh, yeah, just making peace with that. Shame really clouds us. It clouds us from making sound judgment, and it clouds us from any ounce of love or appreciation that we could have possibly had for other people around us. So、um, I thought that was a really powerful. Message that this show had, especially around the stigma of mental illness, and this doesn't only apply to South Korea. Fuck that. I mean, mental illness stigmatization is found everywhere. You know, like when I was home, like a friend of mine that I grew up with was telling me that、um, 
you know, like her family member recently got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And, you know, there was shame when she was talking to me about it. And um, I just had to tell her, like, look, this isn't any different from catching a cold or having pneumonia. You know, I have mental illness. Right. But I'm at a point where my psychologist is telling me you don't need a psychologist anymore. Like, stop paying me. You know, this is a waste of your money because you're fine. You can do this. You got this. Which means that if you have a mental illness, it's not a death sentence. No, it's really, really not. There's always a way out. There's always a way to cope and maintain and manage. Your life is not in the shits just because you have a mental illness. Like, forget that noise. I really loved uh, the character Park Byung-hee. She's the one with the cognitive disability. She's the high school student who wants to be an airplane pilot, but she has a cognitive disability. I believe she's on the autism spectrum. And she has uh, self-harming tendencies, like she cuts herself repeatedly. And it's obvious why her mother keeps telling her that she's wrong in every which way. Her teachers tell her that she's wrong in every which way. Her peers bully her and tell her that she's wrong in every which way. If that's the constant message that a person is getting, they can't help but turn to self-harm. I know exactly what this feels like. I I myself have been there too when I was younger. And when I saw this character, my heart just went to her because she said that she wants to be an airplane pilot and she did not give up on the dream. She's never going to give up on that dream like nobody is ever going to tell her that she can't be the thing that she wants to be and I love that I love that so much like the narrative even to the end was like holding on to that dream for her and that was like oh I was so moved by that so so moved by that yes yeah there was also the borderline patient. Yeah, I really enjoyed that part of the narrative too because borderline patients are so stigmatized by the mental health community. I mean, borderline patients scare the shit out of me. You know, my mom has a touch of borderline and, you know, like when she turns on me, oh my God, like, yeah, it sucks. But um, but I've seen way more severe cases of borderline. Like, holy shit, when it happens, it's fucking terrifying. And um, psychologists are afraid of people with borderline disability. Um, borderline disorder, excuse me. But borderline patients just need a lot of love. They need it because they never got it. You know, it's an it's a request to be loved. And I loved it when nurse Taun says to this borderline patient, like before you ask people to love you, start loving yourself. And that's not an advice just meant for borderlines. It's meant for literally every single individual on earth. I think this show was really excellent at not only handling narratives of mental illnesses, but also just handling that narrative of self-love and how important this message is. You know, it's like really self-love is the hardest love there is to achieve. Yeah, we are always the most cruel to ourselves first. And we are always the least likely to love ourselves most. So why not, you know, flip that? Like when I was at the Dharma talk yesterday, I was talking to the the woman reverend. And, um, you know, she was only she's only been here for a year. So whenever I would communicate to her, I would only speak in Korean. And uh, she was telling me, like, sometimes there are days when I feel so inadequate that I would look at myself in the mirror and I would call myself stupid. And and when she said that, I just gasped because it just sounded like such a violent thing to do to a person, like to themselves. And then she told me, I when I told the story to my mother, my mother said, "Well, you're my precious child. Like, why would you say that to my precious daughter?" And I was like, "Oh God, you have such a good mom, you know." 
And then I asked her, do you ever look in the mirror and say compliments? And then the monk started cracking up. And then she was like, sometimes. But I think I say, I call myself stupid more in the mirror. And I was like, no, no, no. You have to, just, you have to switch that, right? Like if you're looking in the mirror and calling yourself a dumbass, like you have to go back to that mirror and call yourself like a beautiful princess lady. You know, like you gotta, you gotta balance that shit out, man. Speaking of balance, um, this is something I recently wrote down and I have it on my wall, but uh, this is something I just like a big lesson hit home for me when I was at back home this time and I was talking to people from my childhood. And what I recognized is people who wronged me in my life, all of them got their just desserts. I'm not kidding when I say this, like solid I'm talking solid squaring up. And I didn't have to f- raise a finger. I didn't have to do a thing. I didn't have to tattle. I didn't have to call anybody. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to take any action. And the world just took care of what needed to be taken care of. I mean, the world really does right all wrongs. Like that was so vividly and viscerally apparent to me that karma is a real thing. And after seeing that, I just wrote it down on my wall. It just says, karma's real. The universe rights all wrongs. And therefore, I have nothing to be angry about. I never have to get upset. I have zero complaints. That's on my wall right now. Because the truth of that just rang home so clearly to me. And so that's where I'm at. Like, I don't have any complaints about people anymore. I don't have a reason to get angry. That that doesn't mean that I don't complain. And that doesn't mean that I don't still get angry. But like on a cosmic sense, like a cosmic level, this lesson is just like really, really crystal clear to me. So if any of you are harboring resentment or rage about something that happened to you in the past and you're like, fuck this guy, fuck that person, da da da. Whoa, just know this. Like, the the witnessing eye, the all-seeing eye, really does see all. It doesn't matter if nobody else was there to see it except you. You yourself being a witness, that is part of the all-seeing eye. And any wrong that happens, man, oh man, does it get righted. I just felt this on such a deep level during this trip home. So just take that as a message of hope, man. Like, really. The universe really squares up in a solid way and nobody ever gets forgotten. Like literally nobody ever, ever gets left behind. So take that with you, man. Take that with you. And also know that self-love is the greatest love. 